This episode of the Best Seats Podcast is brought to you by, well, you. To learn how you can support the show, go to thebestseats.com slash Patreon. Once there, you'll learn how you can get early access to shows, ad-free listening, the ability to submit questions, comments, concerns, and more. Once again, that's thebestseats.com slash Patreon. But enough of that. On to the show. What's up, everybody? Hello, and welcome to the first ever episode 102 of the Best Seats Podcast, the only podcast bringing you interviews with some of the most talented people in and around the hospitality industry from right here in Orange County to the rest of Southern California and beyond each and every episode. As always, I'm your host, Croft McCarthy, founder and principal of the Best Seats. Thank you so, so much to my friend, Allie Coyle, who always provides music for the show. You can find more of her work at AllieCoyleMusic.com or check out any of her family's three restaurants if you're in the Orange County area, Fable and Spirit in Newport Beach, Dublin 4 Gastropub, and Wineworks for Everyone. Both of those are in Mission Viejo. As a reminder, if you enjoy the show and you're listening on free feeds, please be sure to leave a rating and or a review, share it on social, etc. It helps other folks discover it and spread the good word. You can go to thebestseats.com for more content just like this. But do not forget that the very best experience is only found at patreon.com slash the best seats where you get early ad free listening a week before everybody else to every single show, which is always fun because you might miss out on details that we talk about on the shows. Um, and you get exclusive access to the post show. You get exclusive access to every episode of the past, your weekly one-stop shop for all the tasty tidbits and news that you need to know about. More exclusive blog posts are coming and another show is going to be coming exclusively to Patreon which will be announced, depending on when you're listening to this, it may have already been said, but that'll be announced in the coming weeks. Whoo! All right, enough of that. Let's talk about episode 102. Um, my guest for this is the incredibly talented Julian Flores Torres. He is a friend. He is a hell of a bartender. He's a hell of a human being, and he's somebody I've wanted to get on the show for a little bit. I was trying to track him down when he was the bar manager down at Mayfield in San Juan Capistrano. He left that position and was kind of seeing what his next move was going to be. He just wanted to spread his wings a little bit. He was having to travel a lot for that one. So as sad as I was to see him go, I was very excited to see where he landed. And where he has landed is up in Stanton at Rodeo 39 for the about to open. Well, if you're listening to this on free feeds, it's opened. If you're listening to this when this episode goes live on Patreon, it will be opening on the 8th of October. And that is Union Social. Now, Union Social is a bar, restaurant, lounge, not so much a nightclub, although you can do things like bottle service and things like that that they're kind of testing out. But really, it's a cocktail lounge with really, really great food. What he's doing up there is new. And I don't just mean that it's new in the terms, excuse me, of it being a new restaurant. It's new in the terms of it's a challenge for him as well. Julian is somebody that has really dedicated himself to agave spirits, really elevating craft cocktails, but a lot of his passion was kind of in that agave spirit realm, really elevating, you know, niche and and really kind of small batch, but still well-deserving mezcals, you know, sotols, tequilas. Now he's really shifting into Asian spirits and not just things like Bajon, things like that, but Japanese whiskeys, soju, and not just the spirits, but also the flavors that go with them, you know, working with things like yuzu, you know, shiso, Really fantastic, fantastic flavors, but it's a challenge for him. So we sit down to talk about 
What has that process been like? What drove him up to Union Social? What drives him to make the drinks that he does? What inspired him to be a bartender in the first place? But you don't need to hear any of that because that's what the episode is for. So without further ado, let's dive into episode 102 of the Best Seats podcast featuring the bar manager at the newly opened Union Social at Rodeo 39, my friend, Julian Flores Torres. Enjoy. Brother, thank you so much for coming on the show. Very excited to finally be sitting down. You're somebody I've wanted to get on for a while. I've been trying to track you down for a little bit. Obviously, your time at kind of Mayfield, I wanted to get you on then, and then some things happened. And now you are up here about to open, at least at the time of this recording, you guys are in soft opening, Union Social up at Rodeo 39. But before we jump into that, kind of your background and the way that you approach your bar programs, would you mind taking a second to introduce yourself and give a little bit of your background? Yeah, definitely. Uh, uh, thanks for having me. Uh, yeah, like you said, it's been a while since like we've been talking about getting me on here, but kind of jumping between projects and being a little busy, you and I, different things, which congratulations. It seems like you're getting a lot of uh, notoriety now from whether it's right here in Orange County or Sommelier and like your pieces that you're doing. I want to congratulate you on that. It seems amazing. Appreciate that, man. But let's talk about you. <laughs> All right, let's walk, let's jump back into me. Um, yeah, my name is Julian Flores Torres. Um, natively born in Mexico. Um, I lived there until I was probably like ten or so, and um, I, I was born in Chihuahua, which uh, gives me a lot of background in my to my heritage. I love Sotol, and that's one of the things that I see coming forward into the market a little more now, and with the, the whole agave boom. Um, as far as uh, bar projects and everything that I do, um, the way that I approach the whole bar industry is uh, a lot of bartenders I see that um, make cocktails for themselves and for what they specifically like at the moment, and which is nothing wrong with that. It's uh, it's an approach that I actually do the opposite. I I like making things for myself, of course, right? And here's a an example, like I put one or two cocktails into the menus that I'm like, this is this is more mostly for me, you know. Like if I want somebody to taste something that I'm very proud of, this is what I do, you know. But as far as like the whole program itself, um, I go with what I know my customers will like, whether it be demographically, whether it be geographically, whether wherever I'm at, I see the trends that are happening in in those areas and uh, in the industry as a whole, and I try to incorporate that knowingly that my customers whether they like sweet cocktails at this moment whether they like more refreshing in the summer or whatever it is i try to be the least selfish in my approach so that i can have a wider base of people enjoying the cocktails as a whole um with that said uh i try to incorporate also like always fruits are seasonal because it, there's no point in bringing in something that you can't get all the time. Yeah, it's it's one of those things where like, oh, we're eighty six today, we're eighty six tomorrow, or something like that. And I find that a little bit like people can't really relate to your program if you're doing things just randomly. Like it, it, it has no tone for like who you are as a bartender, uh, mixologist, whatever you want to call it, uh, beverage director. I know the titles are endless, but essentially it all revolves to me around the hospitality. Hospitality is going to be what brings people back in. Your cocktails, food, whatever it is, might be amazing, but the sense and feeling of how you make them feel when they're there and how they leave, you want them to leave happier and better. And 
all that in and encapsulated into like one experience is what I try to bring more than the selfish note of of making things that I think are cool. It's more of like things that I know or feel that my guests are going to like. So that establishes kind of your philosophy when you're building out a program, a menu, things like that. But how did you get behind the stick in the first place? I mean, what was your path to kind of get into not just bartending, but specifically craft bartending? Because every place I've kind of followed your drinks to have always been incredibly well balanced, well nuanced, creative, but not enough to kind of scare the guests, et cetera. What first got you into bartending? Funny. Um, Full disclosure, the first thing that got me into bartending as a whole is like, oh, bartenders are cool. They get laid all the time. That's going to be something that I want to do, you know? Um, Fair. It's like a whole, like, stigma, you know? It's like, oh, that person's cool. Everybody likes him. Like, I want to be that person. And that's literally what I got it into. Like, uh, I started uh, in the whole industry as a dishwasher first, you know? And um, I wanted to jump my way into the ranks, but... I got discouraged a little bit because nobody wants to like be with a dishwasher, you know, and like that's a, a notion of me, you know, like of being a, uh, a preteen, uh, a teenager, you know, where it's like I was barely out of high school doing all this, blah blah blah, and I was like, you know, right now that's the time where like I need to make money, be a cool person, blah 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 blah, and nobody wants to fuck a fucking dishwasher, <laughs> you know, like leaving out of work and smelling like the food that you're fucking cleaning is like it's not cool. Uh, so that literally motivated me to be like, no, I'm going to move forward, do more and like become that bartender that I think it's cool, you know, and all that literally evolved throughout the years of me being in the industry. I, I worked in downtown Santa Ana for a while. I, I took a break from like the, that bar scene and started working at Disneyland for, for like just a random reason. I just wanted a job during the summer. Um, I started as a, as a cast member doing uh, uh, custodial, which is basically just cleaning around. And Disneyland has a lot of uh, seniority-based things, right? So if you want to get somewhere, you have to put in the time kind of thing. Yeah. Unless there's like an opportunity that just pops out of nowhere. But that's why I started there. And then after I did the whole, um, the whole uh, special events, and that's where it really got me into like the money and the coolness of like, oh, I get to do events for, like, big corporations and I'm doing here and rubbing shoulders with, like, celebrities and things like that, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. Not more than than the people that are, like, cleaning, you know? Like, you get to see the celebrities and whatever, but I'm, like, there targeting to them and serving them, you know? And that even more solidified what I wanted to do because uh, I was doing events, like, around the park and blah, 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 and I was seeing the cocktails that are coming out uh, for... Club 33 in different areas where I'm like, oh, that's really cool and innovative, blah, blah, blah. And I started looking more into books than anything where I was like going to Barnes & Noble, opening a, a craft book and going like, that's very interesting. They're using uh, citric acid or uh, things that are more molecular gastronomy mm-hmm. that was defining how we all drink and take cocktails into consideration a little more. Um, I would say a step above from your normal bar cocktail that you get at, at a random freaking bar that you're like, oh, this is cool, but it's just sugar, you know? Like, that's yeah, why I yeah, like yeah. it. And this is going to have, like, a better, more balanced taste. And literally after, like, seeing those books and wanting to, like, learn more, I started revolving myself around uh, back in the industry where I, where I was in, in downtown Santa Ana. And uh, 
learning, asking questions, doing seminars and things that anything I could get my hands on. And then after that, I opened a puesto, uh, actually two puestos right here in Irvine. Mm-hmm. And that was a obviously Mexican style place uh, that blended perfectly with my heritage, which is like, I know all these flavors. I know, how to, I know how to pronounce them. I know blah, blah, blah. But me working there for a couple of years and the, those two different locations um, wasn't satisfying. It was, it was, I would say, more commercial than what I was reading into and I was, what I was seeing being made, like in uh, Death and & Company and like uh, more Amargo and different places that really had those pushing the boundaries kind of aspects of, to themselves. Yeah, definitely. I mean, like, Westo would be, you know, a step up from your Chili's cocktail menu, but you're not doing that kind of Amoria Margo or, you know, Katana Kitten, those kind of, like, really, the, the kind of menus that build, like, you know, modern-day classics and kind of foundations that everybody learns from. A hundred percent. I mean, they're in the 50 best all consecutively because they, they don't stop innovating yeah and their guests get wowed and the glowing reviews that they get is because of that it's a, it's a combination of everything that i said that i want to do with my own bar programs is which is push boundaries make things easy for guests and that experience that they leave feeling that they got something special from my bar program the food that is around my bar program the, the chefs that work in the kitchen and that's why i try to surround myself with those kind of things and that's what brought me to this spot that i'm at now was stepping out of my own comfort zone with um, this Japanese modern style that they have right here with the food and everything, which gives me accessibility to all those ingredients that I didn't have before. Um, after like Puesto, I was, starting, I was still doing like the Mexican kind of style, but in a different take, I, we opened uh, Gracias Madre with my friends uh, Luis and Marvin and mm-hmm. a few of those guys. And still Mexican, but much more elevated as far as the cocktails. And we had playroom, so we we could do things that I couldn't do in other bars. Whereas, like a, a little more corporate style, there you're not allowed to be touching things too much or like blah blah blah, you know. And right here is like no, like this is your playground. We're gonna put cocktails on the menu that work, and if they don't work, scratch board, do it again, something better, something uh, more exciting. And from then on, that's where it really took off without like, my interest, because it solidified what I wanted to do where it was like, I'm making really cool cocktails now because they are giving me the chance. And when I started doing those things, wow, like my interest just skyrocketed. I was literally reading like a book of uh, mixology, cocktails, uh, spirits, whatever it was every other week, you know? So I was like devouring information yeah. And getting into it, and even even after that, uh, Chef Alan, which was, was one of the uh, chefs right there at Gracias Madre, um, I would ask him questions was like uh, about food and gastronomy, you know, because then all those all that information that I was getting, I could utilize into cocktails in some way, you know. Well, unintentionally, obviously, uh, Chef Allen was just on the podcast what, two episodes ago, um, episode ninety nine. So people can go back and listen to kind of his experience at Gracias, but. Having that room to, in Orange County, everybody likes to say that, you know, some of the best chefs in this area, probably at one point or another, it's going to say that they were a playground on their resume. I would argue that you have, you know, Broadway and Vaca by Mar Santana, but also Gracias Madre, I would put right up there with producing 
a huge number of Orange County's really good bartenders. I mean, that's not to say everybody, but it's still one of the best kind of cocktail programs around. Did you really kind of develop there, before we get back to kind of union social, but did you really find yourself developing there because you finally had room to really properly kind of R&D? Or was it the fact that it, the cocktails also needed to be vegan that kind of helped push you? and Or was it just that catalyst of being around all those kind of people like Luis and like Marvin and kind of other, I guess you could say kind of contemporaries? Uh, I would say it was a combination, like you said, a catalyst of all those things. Yeah, um, I got myself around like people that really care about what they were doing. Um, going back to Luis, uh, Chef Allen, uh, Marvin, everybody was really interested in doing their their art craft the best that they could, and that, to me, pushed more into like a like a competition. Yeah, like, and in competition breeds excellence. You know, like there is a reason why there's medals for one, two, three. You know, the who did it best, and. Since we're all friends and and continue to be friends, uh, e- even now we see each other like here and there. Uh, Luis moved moved uh, moved out of state. Uh, yeah, Chef I should Allen. say sadly he's he's in uh, Austin, Texas now. But if anybody kind of wants to get inside Luis's mind, I want to say go back in the episodes that are around the twenties, right when I started doing them in person, and I did sit down with uh, Luis also. But yeah, Chef Allen's now over at Porch and Swing. Um, again, it's a lot of notable alumni came out of there. Uh, yeah, honestly, I want to say that. The best people that I that I trust in opinions, even now that I ask, would be uh, I would be remiss not to even mention Ravin because Ravin's gonna be yeah. one of those old school people that friend of the show as well. Yeah, yep. he 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 brought a lot to the table just right here in Orange County and wherever he goes, honestly. And anytime I have a question about anything, it could be about ingredients. How do you do this? This is the way that I do it. Uh, what do you think about this business uh, idea? What do you think about uh, how much you think I should be asking for this or whatever? Uh, Ravin has this wealth of knowledge and experience because he's been around, you know. Yeah. So I I call him first, text him whatever is gonna be, then Luis to solidify that answer and, and <laughs> to back it up to verify whatever bullshit Ravin yeah, said. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I was like, hey, <laughs> Ravin, if you're listening, it's all out of love. <laughs> sometimes um, <laughs> I'm just kidding, brother. Um, yeah, and like it's kind of things like that that I wouldn't. Even- well, it's time for a little commercial, yeah. I don't know about you, but 2020 had me relooking at how I live and the space that I live in. Spending so much time at home really had me reevaluating how certain things worked and didn't in my living space. One of the main things, as an avid home cook and an obvious supporter of restaurants, was gardening. Anybody who enjoys food at all will be able to tell you that something you've grown yourself will taste infinitely better than anything you can buy at a store. That's where Ashley Irene of Heirloom Potager comes in. Heirloom Potager designs, installs, and maintains seasonal culinary gardens for chefs and foodies in Orange County. They provide organic gardening methods and bespoke build-outs used to preserve the heirloom varietals that they'll provide for seeds. An approachable and exciting endeavor, no matter if you're a seasoned restaurateur or a stay-at-home chef, Owner Ashley Irene's experience, expertise, and enthusiasm is only matched by her professionalism. For more information on how you can set up a consultation to get your own culinary garden space set up, go to heirloompotager.com. That's heirloom, H-E-I-R-L-O-O-M, potager, P-O-T-A-G-E-R.com today. Once again, that's heirloom potager. If you listen to the best seats at all or read the content, then you know the motto, live well, 
and often. But what does it mean? In layman's terms, it's trying to give you the best products, places, experiences, and more so you can put a big smile on your face every single day. Amass Botanics is what I use on my back bar constantly if I need a cocktail or a quick pick-me-up. Any of their other botanical products, like candles, hand sanitizer, and more, also helps to set the mood. Now, I'm a big fan of everything that Amass does. I have been since day one when they launched their trademark gin, and everything they've done since then has been nothing short of excellent. Now you can get your hands on their products at a discounted rate by going to amass.com and using the discount code, the best seats 15, that's C E A T S, at checkout. Now it's limited one per customer, so make sure you load up. But trust me, you can't go wrong with anything they're doing. I stand by Amass 100%. They're one of my go to brands for spirits needs or anything around the house. So again, go to amass.com, that's A M A S S, and use the code, the best seats 15 at checkout. Trust me, you will not. Be disappointed. I wouldn't even call it a mentorship. It's more of a friendship. You know, a high tide raises all ships. Yeah, exactly. So even even then, like, there's moments where like we all hang out and party or whatever, and but we're still talking about things that interest us. It's not just hanging out. It's more of like a hey, by the way, did you hear this? No, loser, kind of thing. You know, it's like like I said, the competition kind of thing, where we're all still racing each other in a healthy competition pattern. And that's with everybody that I meet. Uh, if, if I see an interest in, in, in your take of like cocktails, I want to talk to you. Uh, if you don't know something, I want to teach it to you. If, if I don't know something, I want to literally pick your brain. And I think Orange County lacks a lot of that because a, a few factors. I, I, I think one of them, a big one, is that unlike L.A., New York, all cities and great bars are pretty far apart it's hard to go to one to the other and like jump around and like and enjoy yourself like the whole night going from one bar to the other because you have to drive far to go to the next really cool spot yeah and that in itself like i said i'm i'm running this bar program so i'm here five six days a week right on my days off i want to enjoy my time with my family and whether i want to or can go to those bars like i'll probably go and see one yeah. And that would be like one every other two weeks or so. And like that doesn't give me enough time to go check out what other people are doing, which it's like a double-edged sword, whereas like I can't see how cool another bar is. But at the same time, I'm focusing on myself because I, I don't have the time to go look at other people. Yeah, 100%. Um, and that goes back to what I was saying about like Orange County lacks that uh, competition and initiative kind of thing because you're not, you don't have the time to go around everywhere and go check out what they're doing and go and like, I could do it better or like I could do, I could use their ideas and make a mine and blah, 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 because it's everything separated. Uh, LA and New York have this amazing uh, mecca kind of thing where like uh, everything's in walking distance. And even if it is in walking distance, there's districts where like you, you hit up a lot of bars or like a lot of places, restaurants in one go. Yeah. And right here, it's really hard to do that. I'm glad you clarified because somebody just heard LA is walking distance and they're like, no, bullshit. Um, no, but yeah, New York, you can bounce, you know, up top down to, you know, LES pretty, pretty easily. And you can hit most of those good bars. You find the right neighborhood in Los Angeles. It's not that hard to go from Thunderbolt to somewhere else. You can really hit a lot of these established, really good spots. I'm a proponent that Orange County, and again, this is 
part of the pandemic also that some people moved away, whether it was to Texas or San Diego, Colorado, and for everybody rightfully for their own reasons. But we lost a lot of talent following 2020. But I would always argue that there aren't that many really great cocktail spots here. There's only really... And, you know, some people can kind of say it's controversial, but I do believe that there's way too many places making average drinks because a lot of people are still learning in the Orange County area what a great cocktail is. You went from Gracias Madre, you know, you wind up at Mayfield down in San Juan Capistrano, arguably the best probably cocktail program in that area. I mean, outside of what Ravin and those guys were doing over at, you know, the hotel, but still Mayfield was a big draw. You guys made really kind of progressive drinks really good ever kind of evolving menu you brought in a lot of unique spirits your time there kind of comes to an end how did you wind up here up at you know first of all union social is located up at rodeo 39 which if anybody has not been to it massive massive food hall by an incredible team i would argue some of the best restaurateurs in southern california um who are doing some really progressive stuff but this place is just wild it is super fun everything tastes good every single stall is unique individual now you have this new spot how did this come to be uh right after mayfield um i wanted to do more and Mm -hmm. i couldn't do it at mayfield only because the part of the county that i was in there was it's it's just a demographical thing like a, ge- a geographical thing where it's just Mayfield is just is where it is you know yeah and it's hard to have like not a knock against George or anybody there it's, no 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 it, I love that restaurant definitely it, yeah and that's why it succeeds too in that area because mm-hmm. it's it's a destination not so much just a place and uh what helps it a lot is that you have the the whole tourist area right there the the inn the hotel you were talking about where Ravin was uh, around the corner where like it gives them a lot of like help yeah, but now we go to the like I said the geographical area where it's like the people that do know it know it because it's Mayfield and it's there. But around it, I can't have that much uh, support from uh, people that are coming to see me or the brands or anything like that because it is really out of the way from anybody. Like I, like I would joke around with people going like, "Well, if you're on your way to San Diego, you can stop here," because <laughs> that's literally how I felt. You Train know? tracks are right over there. Just wave. Exactly. Is a, and I couldn't continue to evolve myself and like do more in in that geographical area because I was far away from everything else that I wanted to do, everything else that I wanted to check out. And it was a long drive for me. Yeah. I, I live right here. When, when I was in Mayfield, I lived in Orange. Right now I live in Tustin. And it was a 40-minute drive now for me to be here without traffic. It's 15, which is like a huge difference, you know? Yeah, that's massive. And like... God forbid there's an accident in the freeway or something and it, that 40 minutes turns into like an hour and a half. Yeah, there were six of those on my drive up here, so. Yeah, <laughs> and that's what I'm trying to say about the whole area being like, it, it just sucks that uh, South County is not as developed as, as, as main Orange County right here, Anaheim, uh, Stanton, Garden Grove, Costa Mesa. Uh, one freeway takes you to all of them, you know? Yeah. Where over there you have to go out of your way to get there. You literally have to make it a destination, like I was saying. I, there's a reason when I had Josh Davey from Blind Pig on the show um, some episodes back, you know, he referred to it as far SM because you don't go to like the only people. Yeah, it's it, it is. It's it's and people would say, oh, well, you know, San Juan Mayfield, it's right off the five. It's like, yeah, but you have to be going to the second to last, you know, 
basic bastion of Orange County to get there. And again, I love that restaurant, Sam, but it's a perfect example of great bar program, but then you walk around to the surrounding area and everything is just either wine bar, which is nothing wrong with, or just cocktails that don't stand up. And it's not a knock to the other programs there, but at the same time, a little bit it is. Yeah, I mean, like, let's just call it like it is. You know, it's it's, it's standard. Yep. It's a standard uh, way of like, making it's standard. Cocktails. That's a great, yes, yes. And people that really want great cocktails, they want to taste something that's not typical. Mm-hmm. And the not typical is where me and my friends excel at. We're trying to do different things. And that's why I'm here at Union Social, because like I was saying, I could use different ingredients that I didn't use before. I could have stuck around and like uh, go to another Mexican spot, you know, because I love using those flavors. I'm very familiar with them, but I'm being stagnant at that point, you know. And that's why I went to Mayfield, too. Um, before me, uh, Luis, I was actually the beverage director at mm-hmm. Mayfield, and he asked me if I wanted to go and help him like open it uh unfortunately Luis didn't wasn't there for long because lucky for him he got a break and got an uh, got an amazing opportunity to like get a house you know somewhere else out of state and awesome that's amazing it's kind of hard to get a a house in this market especially in California you have to have like uh, like people joke around like uh, two jobs and a side hustle you know yeah and like the side hustle is like it's Go figure what that's going to be, you know, like it just is more of a common thing to be like. Yeah, it's not if you pre-qualify for a mortgage. It's do you have a sugar mama or sugar daddy because <laughs> yeah. otherwise you ain't getting in. Exactly. It's like, do you know somebody Newport kind of thing, you know, or <laughs> yeah. it's like, who's going to sign for you? Um, and all that like literally changed the way that I saw like how I want to approach the cocktails, how I want to do this, how I want blah, blah, blah. Before me coming to Union Social, I I was so lucky that out of Mayfield, I was, I had no lack of like offers. I was in demand from different spots. Yeah, I, I, rightfully at t- so. At the top of my head, maybe four or five that were I was in talks with, and even more than that, I had a talk with the with the Laguna Hills, uh, uh, Marriott, the Cliffs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, to uh, do some. Um, some independent work for them. Um, that's still in the talks. The thing with like hotels, obviously, like it, it, it needs a lot of approvals, you know, to do things. Yes, it does. And yeah. uh, and maybe we'll keep doing it. Maybe we won't. But that door was open, you know. And even after that, I had an opportunity to open uh, Gemma, which is in San Clemente, in San Clemente too. Mm-hmm. But that didn't work out because it wasn't my style. It was far away again. And yeah, that, that would. It's one thing if San Juan is far for you, but yeah, to go to San Clemente then about three, four exits later to get to Gemma is a whole other animal. So I, I thought it was going to be worth it. It wasn't worth it for me and like what I needed. Beautiful restaurant, by the way, for yes. anybody listening. I'm hoping to get their team on the show soon. So do check it out because it is a really cool spot. The food is fantastic. Uh, Chef Juan makes amazing, amazing dishes. Yeah. Uh, that's one thing I miss, honestly, from like being there. <laughs> Family but meal hit a little different. Be, being 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 far away from like where I live, it was like I needed to make sense for me. And at the time, it's a restaurant that's been um, trying to um, find their footing in what exactly they want to do, how they want to do it, and they're taking their time because they want to do it right. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I didn't have the time to like do it with them. You know, yeah. That's so fair. in between that, I had offers from like uh, uh, two other spots that uh, I rather not mention, only because like one of them's not open yet, and the other one, uh, there's no reason for me to bring them up because then 
whatever I say, someone else might swoop in and be like, well, that's what he said, blah, 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 blah. And I was like, well, yeah, but that's me. It's totally not, fair. It's not we, you. Can, we can keep it. We can keep it safe. Yeah. And, uh, and, and one of the reasons why I didn't go to that other, one of those other spots is because they, even though they want to have really good cocktails and like everything else, and they were giving me carte, carte blanche to do everything I wanted. Um, they wanted to be open like late in in the Costa Mesa area, mm-hmm. and that's something that I'm trying to avoid. I'm trying to work at a at a place where it's more restaurant than anything, and close at ten, eleven, whatever. You know, uh, if I had to stay somewhere like later, it's fine here and there, but I don't want it to become like a like a recurring thing. And that place was literally like, no, this is what we're gonna do, and I was like, well, that's just not gonna be for me. I like I I, I had a great offer. They even gave me like bonuses to chase you know like having a carrot in front of me the whole time where i was like that's amazing because like it, it literally motivates me to keep doing more things yeah you know obviously like money talks just in general it's like here's a bonus if you do this here's a bonus if you do that and like that's one of the times where i was like i thought to myself i was like you know what you're making it because people are now requesting you more than anything like all, all these all these offers were unbeknownst to me. I just got a text or a call from somebody that somebody else recommended me. Or like, hey, he's a freelancer now. He's looking for a new spot. And it was just amazing to feel wanted like that because like we were talking about just Orange County, it's, it's hard to find people that care too much because they want to be standard and just make the money. Yeah. But people that are actually looking to be different and excel and stand out, want people like me, want people like Luis, want people like Ravin who care about what they're doing and they're not going to compromise. And if they have to compromise, the compromises they're doing is something that they're comfortable with. And it just felt amazing knowing that people wanted me without even me knowing that I was in that realm uh, of, uh, I don't even know what word to use, but just kind of like that echelon of professionals. People that, you know, you've been working alongside for, you know, years and learning from and they're your friends. And but at the same time, you all rose to the top of creating great drinks. Exactly. Yeah. And and it just felt amazing that I, I, w- I didn't have to look for a job. Yeah. I didn't have to. That's got to bring myself it, out there. That's a lot of validation. It felt amazing. And it still does, because even right now, as I'm here. Uh, people are asking me if I'm happy and, and they're asking me if, if, if <laughs> when you guys aren't even open yet, even yeah. at the time of this recording, this place is currently in soft opening. When this episode goes live on Patreon, you will still be in soft opening. Um, for anybody listening, the official date for union social to open to the public is October 8th. So it's going to be a Saturday. Okay. So this episode will have just, you, you will have been open for 72 hours by the time that this goes live on free feeds, basically if the calendar in my head is correct. Cause I refuse to look at my phone right now. So describe this place because I'm looking around and obviously the social media is starting to happen. And it's the paradox of the bartender that I want to have a work-life balance. I don't want to be working until 2 a.m. I want to see my family, except this is an industry of night owls. This is an industry of the night. This is an industry where people stay out and imbibe and potentially over imbibe. I mean, this is equal parts a restaurant, a bar, a lounge, a nightclub. I mean, I'm looking around and you have, I mean, there's spinning lights, there's a beautifully lit bar, there's tables for dining, but there's also a DJ booth. I mean, describe Union Social. Uh, I think the best way for me to describe Union Social, it's it's a lounge style. Okay. So 
the food's gonna be amazing. One of our our head chefs, his name is uh, DK. He comes from Katsuya. Okay. So yep. that style of uh, sushi, fish, uh, raw, anything you want to call it, uh, it's gonna be off the charts because you have somebody that makes that style of cuisine to the standards of Katsuya. If anybody's been to Katsuya, they all know that it's amazing. And that, that's what we have back there. And not to do my own horn, but then you have me right here in the front and you have two people that care about what they're putting out. And you add that into the mix, whereas like we have hours right now from five to 12 daily. Mm-hmm. So we're not closed any day right now. And later on, we're going to add lunch and we'll see where that goes. Uh, and our take on food is going to be Japanese modern, but from what I was told, we don't want to pigeonhole ourselves into anything specific because what we're doing is just great food that has a flair Yeah, with that Japanese modern so it's, style. it's not just sushi. It's not like izakaya. It's, it's kind of like all the, it's just really good food with those flavors kind of of Japan. Yeah, so whatever they get inspired by, that's where they want to go with. Yeah. Uh, one of the owners, Mel, he has a, a background in, uh, in food. So he's worked with a lot of people that are pretty high up in the industry, uh, done projects with, uh, with Wolfgang, for example. Yeah. So he works behind the kitchen, too. He's, he's there working and helping. And then uh, the, one of the other owners, Kit, uh, he owns Tenori right here, also right here in, in Rodeo 39. So they, they both know food. They both know business. So what we're trying to do here, and this is to the best of my knowledge because everything is, is ever evolving. That's why we have such a long uh, soft opening right now because we're trying to do things different and do things our way is that whatever inspires us is what we're going to do. And the lounge style is more of an hours thing because we're trying to capitalize in the, in the fact that the whole Rodeo area <coughs> sorry, uh, closes early. Yeah, earlier than us, at least. And we're they want most of the the food stalls, like bearded tangs over there. Everything else, it's about what, like nine, a ten, nine, something okay, like that. So, so we're trying to capitalize in the in the fact that in this entire area, we're the only ones that are open late. Yeah. So that gives us an edge, whether it be having people that just want to have a cocktail, people that just want to have shots, people that want to party and celebrate their birthday here with the uh, with the bottle flares and whatever you know, but. We're trying to be somewhere that anybody could come and enjoy themselves, whether it be at 6 p.m. when we just open for an hour and we have the sushi coming out, uh, uh, omakase, all that things, and, and a fantastic cocktail. Or at the end of the night, where it'd be like maybe a little more, more of a fast service, like people just want shots and enjoy themselves. That's what we're trying to do here. And where I fit in into all that is that I'm making the bar program be A, very craft and B making all that craft simple Yeah, for either my bartenders or my guests to understand the, the flavors are, are going to be very, um, minimal is not the word that I'm trying to use, but very easy to comprehend. So like, there's not too many things that go into the cocktail as, as other places that try to complicate things and you don't even know what you're tasting. I want yeah. people to try the cocktails and understand that, oh, this is passion fruit. Oh, this is um, lychee. This is pandan. Like, 
there's not many even cocktails out there that even use pandan. Like I, I can't even think of one that I tasted in this area that does. But I do. I have pandan in my cocktails, and I'm using those flavors, those uh, sensory uh, smells, and everything to show that we are different. Yeah, I, I get to use all these flavors. Well, as we kind of get up on time on the main episode, and obviously I'm going to keep you around for a Patreon-only bonus episode, and I've got some questions for that, but I do want to pick, not pick apart, but I, I'm curious about from your standpoint of going from, you know, dishwasher to bartender to call it whatever you want, craft bartender. I know, I, I know the word mixologist came around for about five minutes and then people kicked that one in the knees. <laughs> yeah. um, what is it like for you balancing a because you say lounge but obviously when you talk about bottle flares then you kind of you're flirting with mm -hmm. nightclub territory but it's not a nightclub lounges are a something that you don't see very often you see some places that transition maybe after 10 p.m to more of a kind of quote-unquote club atmosphere with bottle service and things yeah. like that which say what you want about bottle service it dominates in places like Vegas for a reason. And this is coming from somebody who spent way too much money on bottle service myself. Tell me about it. And it's not not fun. If regardless of how much, many hateful details I find in it, it still is infectious and it's energetic. How do you balance the nuance of presenting somebody with a great craft cocktail when you know that when, you know, after 10 p.m., you're dealing with very much a speed type of bar? I mean, what's that like for you kind of building your menu where you know at some point there will be a transition from craft to speed or at least do you just try to find like a middle ground or how do you go about building the menu? And so, not just that, training your bartenders. Yeah, definitely. So like as I was saying, like earlier on in the episode, I said like there's compromises that we all make mm -hmm. whether we are in whatever position we are, right? And this is one that I'm trying to like uh, tip it all around this and that, you know? So I'm making cocktails that I, I, I know my guests will like and that are different. But at the same time, I like you said, I have to uh, realize uh, what we're doing, uh, what hours things happen and how they change. Um, so the way that I go about that at the moment is that I'm trying to make things the less touches, the better. Okay. So if I have a cocktail that's complicated, that has like, for example... I don't know, maybe seven ingredients, you know? I'm trying to minimize those ingredients into a, a, a small batch. And what I'm batching are things that work really well together and that don't perish. So for if I have a cocktail that has two specific spirits, and if I could put those together and they work together, I'm going to do that so that my bartenders can crank out those cocktails fast. Uh, but in some points, I don't compromise, and there's things that, take time and are longer and those yeah. are the cocktails that we have in the menu that are a little more expensive i would say you know because they take more craft like actually more craft and more experience and people need to know that those take a little longer because they include smoke they include uh stir or whatever it is but i feel like for the most part people understand what they're getting if somebody wants a spirit forward cocktail that gets stirred they know it takes a little longer than a super fast shaking cocktail like a margarita Everybody knows that a margarita should take you no more than a, a minute 30 from start to finish, you know? So it's going to be your, your, your ingredients going to tin, ice, shake, uh, garnish, um, getting everything ready. It should be a super fast thing to do. Yeah. Uh, and we do have a margarita here in the menu, which is going to be a yuzu margarita. 
but it doesn't oh, sh- it speak it, my language. It doesn't stray too far from like the the Tommy style margarita, which is gonna be my favorite fucking margarita. It's a super simple concept. Two one half, and for any of you in Southern California listening, two one half. Okay, Tommy's is the way to go. I will not be argued with on this. You find me in a parking lot and you want a Tanya Harding me, fine. But I stand by the Tommy spec, okay? (laughs) Yeah, it's super simple. And it strays away from your quote-unquote classic margarita, which is going to be your Cointreau or like uh, orange liqueur, whatever it is, you know? But the way that we do things here and we compromise here, like I was saying, compromise is one of the things that we're trying to do just in general to make things amazing, but at the same time have speed because... Nothing ruins an experience more than waiting too long. Yeah. And I, I mean, it's not a massive room. I should mention, I mean, you have some really long booths, obviously places that are set up for bottle service um, or at least like casual drinks before bottle service begins. But there's very clearly areas where you can see what's intended. But you're maybe, I mean, shit, first glance here, I'm looking around at the bar. I'm looking at the tables. You're what? Max cap is 78, something like that, 80, if I had to guess. Honestly, I, I think we've had probably about 100, 125 at the moment already once if we had an event. Okay. And uh, well, you're still pre-opening. So, I mean, over cap for opening events. Yeah. I don't think any fire marshals are listening, so it doesn't matter. But, yeah, I mean, those things happen. And, and the thing is that it just worked because what makes things work like this is systems in place. Mm-hmm. How do we work this? How do we make things fast? How do we, in general, like make this work for who we are and what we do. Yeah. And I think a lot of uh, beverage directors, um, bar managers, whatever you want to call them, we all have different titles because we do different things, you know, Um, have to think about who their guests are and what they're doing. And I think a lot of it in Orange County has, has not been that. So there's a few exceptions where there's like amazing bars that do great things, but for the most part, like I said, they standardize things. Yeah. And the, start in, uh, the, the, the standard in that kind of kills the whole vibe. I was like, was it special? No, but we like the place. And then you go somewhere that's special and you're like, I can't wait to go back. But so many times it's the, was it special? No, but we like the place because Orange County is very sectioned off. To whereas I don't want to have to hop on the 5, the 4 or 5, the 22. Yeah, I don't want to have to hop on the, you know, God forbid, the 91. I, yeah, it is very much like, where are you going out tonight? Oh, I'm going to Laguna. Okay, where are you going? I'm going to Newport. Where are you going? I'm going to Costa Mesa. Where are you going? Yorba Linda. Like you, wherever you go, that's where you're going. Unless you really want to double down on that lift fare or, you know, do not drink and drive. So don't do that. I mean, either way, like you're, wherever you go, that's where you're going. Exactly. That's exactly what I brought to the point earlier was like, it's sectioned off. Yeah. It, and it's hard to to work around that because just in general, Orange County, that's the way it's built. Yeah. Which it's amazing for housing because you could live in a very nice area. You could live in blah, blah, blah. You could live in blah, blah, blah. And you feel like you're part of that community. I've lived in different spots where it'd be like Orange, Orange, uh, Santa Ana, uh, Newport, uh, Irvine, Tustin. Yep. And you do feel like you're in a different spot. Yeah. Orange is a beautiful example right there with the circle. I mean, you know, Haven, I mean, really good bar programs out there. Boss yeah. Cat, I mean, like some places that are doing some good stuff. Rodeo 39 is no stranger to having a cocktail bar. There was the Rodeo 39 bar inside. Mm-hmm. Um, Ori and Rocky, the twins who have now recently moved up to San Francisco. Shout out to Shout them. Shout out to them. Yeah. yeah, I mean, they absolutely kick ass. I mean, some of the cleanest shakes and you know cuts when they finish pouring drinks I've seen. 
So it's not a stranger to having cocktails. Obviously, beer to tang, you've got them inside if you want to grab beers. But what's it like for you to know that, you know, we mentioned that most of the places in rodeo shut down by about 10, meaning you're pretty much guaranteed a rush of at least, whatever, one to 10 people, or if not 50, every night around 10.05, right? I mean, what's it like to be building something like this for you? I mean, obviously you're in soft opening. Like we said, when it goes live, you'll still be in soft opening depending on when people listen to it. But what is this like for you to not just build this out and build this back bar and have carte blanche to kind of bring the bottles in that you want to, aside from some of those mandatory ones for, you know, the bottle service and the flares and things like that, but also be training up. I mean, what's it like like for you to be hiring? Oh, interesting. So I haven't done any of the hiring because I came in a little later. There was somebody. Got it. There, okay, that is interesting. There was somebody before me who didn't make the cut. Uh, and I basically took that position uh, within a week. So before. you're basically like my Denver Broncos, who we had the whole team and then we brought in Russell Wilson. <laughs> yeah, Got it. Go. Okay. Yeah, I'm, 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 I'm him right now. So um, hopefully he's just great like me. Um, so the, the thing is that. I literally had a week before soft opening to get all this together. Oh, shit. Where there was inventory, making the cocktails, testing the cocktails. So whatever I have right now as far as uh, back bar, cocktails, everything is still a work in progress, I would say. Because I'm adding flavors, I'm adding this, I'm doing that. Uh I don't know if a lot, a lot of people know this side of the industry where it's like getting permits and accounts done and blah, blah, blah. But it takes time. Even when you have yeah. a liquor license, let's say yesterday, it takes about 24 to 48 hours to show up on systems of your accounts. Yeah, it's which wild. Mean, which means that even if I'm allowed to get stuff yesterday, I can't until tomorrow. And then those accounts, basically, I have to like start them with whoever it is. And that takes time too. So I had a week to do all that. So basically four to five days of all that was me getting accounts running. And then after that is when I could order all my stuff to come in a day after. So in my sixth day is when my product comes in. I haven't touched any bottles, but I have concepts that I'm thinking about. Like I want this flavor with this flavor and this cocktail. I think this is a cool idea. And that's where a lot of experience comes back from. Whereas like I know these flavors work together. I yep. know what my balances are. I know what my this is and that. But that, give, that, that takes me 90% of the way. And then actually having things in my, in, my, in my hands and making them and going like, you know what, this needs a quarter more of honey or blah, blah, blah. That's where I'm at right now where like I'm building from what I have. I have about uh, 10 signature cocktails on the menu right now that I'm happy with. And then there's two of those that I'm really happy with that are like, I love this one's. And from there until we have our full open, there's going to be other cocktails added. Like, for example, today I'm going to add like three more that I've been working on. I mean, how big of a menu are you trying to open with, especially when you're balancing speed and craft and you're trying to find like that? And and obviously that equilibrium is going to change. Like we said, you guys are still in a very long, soft opening phase. Mm -hmm. I I guess ultimately, how big is your menu going to be? And then what do you envision kind of a standard service looking like so in general what i like doing is not having a big menu mm-hmm. but changing things often where whether it be seasonally or or creatively it's like oh i thought of something i'm gonna put this in the menu right now um 
it's just going to be one of those balances where it's like, I don't want to have at any point more than 15 signature cocktails. Yeah. And I think that's a lot just in general for that's like a for, for yeah. a craft style, you know, whereas like you'd rather focus on, on 10, 12 amazing ones than have those three extra ones that barely get ordered. You know? Yeah. They're just there because somebody thought that it That'd was fun cool. during yeah. R&D and you're like, oh, we're absolutely doing a split base of this, this, this. Yeah. 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 I don't want to do that because at that point also includes into like inventory or like this, we have to use this bottle, we have to use this product or whatever, you know, I'd rather have amazing cocktails and a few than 10 good ones and like three or four that some people like, you know, and that all goes back to like me switching things either seasonally or because I feel like I want to put something in the menu that I just thought of yesterday. You're removing your ego from it. Exactly. It's like, look, I, it doesn't matter how much I love cachaça. We're not going to move a Kuiperina at this particular bar. Exactly. And that's what I said earlier. Like, By the way, that's coming from somebody that freaking loves Nobafogo and, Cacha- and Cachaça and Kuiperinas. So that was a painful metaphor to use. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, I like the Colibri one, which is, it tastes like Fruity Pebbles. But yes, it does. Going back to the, the other stuff. Um, yeah. So it's going back to what I said earlier. It's like I try to remove my ego from things and mm-hmm. know what people like. And that's what I'm moving in general because if somebody thinks too much of what they want to do with a bar, it kind of takes away from the experience of the guests. Yeah. Of course, there's things that, that, that make you, you unique. But I would say that's 20, 30% of the whole bar program. The other 70 are your guests. And that goes back to hospi- hospitality, where you know who you're serving. You're not serving yourself. You're serving other people that want to experience cool, new, amazing things because they're coming to you, because you have... Uh, maybe a, rep- a reputation for doing that or you're new and they saw your soft opening pictures and and, and, and menu or whatever and they really want to try those things and whether I like it or not Instagram right now is king pictures speak a thousand words and they can't taste cocktails through a picture but they can they can definitely 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 want to try them just because of a picture yeah and, yeah, that's fair. And we all work around that, especially if you're a good beverage director, bar manager, whatever, because you know where your clientele is coming from. It's not just people walking around. It's people that see something and then they want to try it. Oh, shit, I want to check that out. Exactly. Yeah. Man, that's awesome. Uh, brother, I'm going to wind down this main episode just because we're getting up on time, but I'm definitely going to keep you around. We're going to do a Patreon-only bonus episode for any of you who want to listen, patreon.com forward slash the best seats. You get access to all the bonus episodes. Um, and there's a ton we're going to talk about. I want to immediately jump into going from indulging yourself and learning all about Mexican spirits into kind of more like Japanese whiskeys and stuff like that, as well as a ton more. But in the meantime, even though y'all are still in soft opening, if people want to check out Union Social, if they want to follow you on Instagram and kind of see what you're up to, social media, websites, et cetera, where can people do that at? Uh, So my Instagram is going to be vagabond uh, underscore Julian. Uh, I've had that for a while now. I actually started it when I started taking this series. So whatever you see in there, it's like a progression of me learning things and like doing things differently and blah, blah, blah. And the Union Social is going to be uh, our Union Social um, OC, I believe. Give me one second just to double check that. And again, the cl- uh, the links for everybody's social and the websites are always down in the description for every episode. So y'all can always check that. Yeah, it's going to be Union Social um, OC. So 
one big word, Union Social OC. Up at Rodeo 39 in Stanton. Well, Julian, thank you, brother, for this main episode. Like I said, we're going to be around for a bonus episode. So if you guys are on free feeds, so sorry, but I appreciate you listening. Everybody Mm -hmm. else, head over to Patreon because we're about to dive right back into it. Thank you, brother, for the time. Good luck on the rest of the soft opening. I appreciate that. And you guys want to sign up for that because we're going to get into something juicy. 100%. Thank you, bud. Thank you, Julian, for taking the time. Again, if you are listening to this on Patreon, then I hope the opening on the 8th goes super, super smooth for you guys. If you're listening to this on free feeds, go check it out yourself because it is officially open now to everybody listening, whether you are on Patreon or on free feeds. Thank you so much for your support. It's been so, so cool, not just hitting episode 100 recently with Miss Boss Cat, but moving on in every episode since because we're heading to 200, folks, and you're along for a tasty ride. So thank you for your support. Thank you to everybody that does support on Patreon. Patreon, though, this show would not be possible without you. Thank you to the advertising partners. Thank you to Ali Coyle. Thank you to all the restaurateurs continuing to kick ass. I know the holidays are coming up. It's about to get stressful, but it's about to get fun. All you can eat season is upon us, everybody. Hope you, well, yeah, it's going to be a fun one out there. So make sure you tip your bartenders. Make sure you do not drink and drive. Stay off Yelp unless you're saying something nice. And I'll see you soon. Take care, everybody. The Best Seats Podcast is an original production of The Best Seats. It is written, edited, produced, and owned by myself, Crawford McCarthy, founder and principal of The Best Seats. It's based in Orange County, California. It is subsidized through generous monthly donations at patreon.com forward slash The Best Seats. The following are the names of those who subscribed at the highest monthly tier, aka norm status, and allow me to continue producing this show each and every month. As a thank you for their continued support, here are the names. Cheryl McCarthy, Serena Warino, George Pavlov, Eric Lutz, Paige Reardon, Loco Lipo, Tim Falk, Burrito No Rito, Sarah Hines, Subtle Bubbles, Jay Baker, Tim Swine, John Sanchez, Timothy. Thank you for your support.